Hey everyone, Justin here with Whitetail Theories Podcast. On the mic, we have a guest that's been with us a few times this season, Adam Tucker. He's pro staff for Service Side. Um, got him on today to kind of continue off piggyback, if you will, from our last episode we did together. Um, It's been a few episodes back, but last one we had Adam on. We were talking about early season um, honey mature whitetails in the big woods. So started talking to Adam. We're like, hey, you know, pre-rut, rut, Let's start. Talk, let's talk a little bit about that since that's what's coming up next. Um, so Adam was gracious enough to say, "Hey, I'd love to jump on and do it." Um, so that's what this episode is going to be about. But Adam, what is going on, man? What have you been up to, and uh, how is your hunting season going so far? Well, I've been really blessed. I've been getting to see you know a lot of deer. Um, I've been getting to do a lot of hunting. Um, you know, the pre-rut still quite a ways off. For the part of the mountains I hunt, which is the northeast Georgia mountains. Now I know in uh, central Georgia, uh, there's some pre-rut activity going on. A lot of scrapes being kicked out, a lot of rubs on some public ground I hunt down there. So yeah, it's you know I'm seeing some activity. Um, I had a close encounter with a mature buck. I've been hunting. I've been keeping really close tabs on him. I've had two encounters with him. Both of them we're right as it's getting dark and uh, he's heard me grunt a couple times and he came out to it and he's came out very you know hesitantly Uh, but he came out both times looking for me unfortunately by the time he got into bow range I could not see pins on my bow to shoot him and I could tell just by the way he walked the way he acted it was him and I could see his body I mean it's, it's a big deer it's a five and a half six and a half year old deer so i'm hoping if it's god's plan he'll make a mistake here soon and maybe come out just a few minutes earlier where i can get a pin on him where i can see him you know so but he didn't bust you or anything it was just no. too dark for him to see and you just kind of thank god he didn't bust me i, I plan pretty accordingly to like you know the way the wind's doing and everything right so he just kind of walked around and it's funny he got i would say within 20 yards of me i probably maybe a little closer than that and just stood there and i could just see his body and he stood there not moving for probably about three minutes and i thought this what's going on and i just hear him walk off and um, i'm actually hunting close to some muscadines and they are hammering them right now oh man i mean that's that's where they're going and every time i'm sitting you know that's where the deer go to so i don't I'm not sitting too close to it because I don't want to get right in the middle of them. I don't want to walk around through them. So I'm kind of sitting off to the side of where they're hitting those muscadines. And he's got a trail that goes right up to them. And I think that he is bedding within probably less than a mile of where I'm hunting. And uh, I think he's just kind of using that trail coming in to get to those muscadines. And I think that, honest to God, I think he's close enough to where he could probably hear people driving down the road um where he's bed now like he can hear people whether they're coming in or out i think he's that close so he's a smart that's what he's a smart deer they sleep in the parking lot and then everyone comes they and that's the way they are like i'm hunting what is like literally just the most um just overlooked spot like everybody drives past it i mean like i have not seen one person 
I, I, yeah, I don't think I've seen one person actually hunting, like park in the spot where I'm at and hunt. Like, I mean, I've not seen one person do it yet. It's the most overlooked spot yeah. and that's where he's hanging. And I mean, eventually I'm thinking he's going to make a mistake in front of me. I hope. Well, so. we appreciate you jumping on tonight, man, because I know you're probably itching to be back out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> How far of a drive is it from your house? Uh, it's just a few minutes down the road. It's not too far. Oh, um, What's keeping yeah. you from being out there like every breathing moment? <laughs> oh, I know, man. It's tough. I mean, there's been mornings I'll be going to work and it's really cold. And I'm like, oh, man, I know he's on the move. And then I'll go in there and he's actually got uh, two scrapes. And one is the size of a car hood, and he had it kicked out. I mean, dirt was just freshly scattered on the ground, and I just could not believe it. I was like, oh, man, he's been in here in the past 24 hours. And this deer, it's like he's using this area every, like, I would say two to three days, maybe a little more. Um, He's not in there every day. It's not like that, but I would say he's in there probably every three days more like it oh, man, just man. from what i can tell his trails are used pretty good um you know i've just kept up with this i don't walk through the middle of his trails or nothing like that but i can just tell by looking just walking down the side of his trails and looking that he's using it quite a bit in that area man dude i hope you get him when are you heading back out there after him i'm probably going to go tomorrow if if the wind's right and everything lines up correctly and I'm going to go out that evening and try to get after him again. That's when he's been moving a lot is in the evenings. And believe it or not, um, when the season first opened, he was moving during midday. And that, like, I could have literally went in that spot where he's at. I could have went in there at 930 in the morning and sat from 930 to 2 o'clock and probably had, you know, some of the best success then. But he got some pressure uh, during that when it first opened. And see, I found him in a little bit different of an area, and the pressure kind of hit. And to me, a lot of people were driving on past the spot I'm describing to you, and they kind of pushed him back. And it, I mean, it really helped me because, like I told you, I mean, I've, you know, I scout year round, I keep up with this area, and I could kind of tell which way it went just by looking at a sign. And looking at his trails, I mean, I really thoroughly looked at his trails, which way they're going. And, I mean, I'm, I kid you not, he is bedding not far from the road. Like, he can hear gravel popping when people are driving in, I'm sure. Dude, I'm sure he's, of a, it. he's a nice one, man. I, I, can't, I can't wait till you connect with him. He Just keep hunting him hard, man. You're going you're gonna to get him for sure. He's a, I wish I could show you all right now. He's definitely a good one. Adam sent me some pictures uh and he's he's a nice buck, nice nice Georgia buck. He'll be a he'll be a good one for sure, man. Oh, he's going to be a wall hanger for sure. I I actually figured out there was a big buck in that area last fall hunting at uh I found a tree that was just rare to rare to see for down here. Really big tree, horned, and it just looked like you got a rake and went up and down it. And I figured out there was some really big deer in that area, and I uh, just started. Just started observing it and just kind of scouting it a lot harder than other areas. And I've done a lot of shed hunting there as well and, you know, scouted it in the summer. I mean, I just kept up with it. And, of course, I wasn't in there every day, but, you know, I, I kept up with it. And I scouted it really hard and I tried to learn it. And I'll tell you what is really important about this area is there's a lot of thick cover in it. And that's why he likes it so much. See, a lot of people don't like it for that reason. It is super thick in there. 
and some of the trees you get in you're not going to get six or eight foot off the ground and that's it but you have to make sure you're covered you have to get some good cover around you when you climb a tree you could possibly hunt it off the ground but it would be really sketchy doing that oh man where he's at man well dude that's that's giving me goosebumps just thinking about it because you got me wanting to get out there now i'm I haven't got to see what my old my old buck that's been eluding me for the last couple of years has been doing. I need to get out there and see it, but it's all underwater right now. So uh, that's insane. Uh, wait, but it stinks because where I'm at, it's it's a lot of quota permits here. So you know, you only get three days to to get it done. And I've been after this buck many 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 times, and I'm I'm hoping I can get it done too. So you you got me you got me hyped, man. I need to get out there. I need to. He stopped working so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting that time for sure. I mean, like I said, got a little while in the mountains to wait before it starts getting really good. But in central Georgia and south Georgia is really starting to heat up. Nice, so. man. I was doing a podcast last night with uh, Kobe, and he's in Pennsylvania, and he was telling me, you know, he don't really do much until about October, and that's when it starts firing up for him, really the end of October, almost near Halloween. Um, and, uh, it's just crazy, you know, each state when they start heating up, uh, you know, us, I, I don't consider really good hunting down here until like, I would say consistent hunting is like December, December, January. I don't know if it's because I hunt harder in December or January <laughs> or what, but, um, uh, I, I kind of slack in the beginning and let everyone else get out there. And then once people get too hot, they kind of give up a little bit and that's when I, Oh yeah. Well, there. January like early, you know, our season closes in early January for private land here. Um, but very late December, there's a lot of people that's kind of burn out on it in the mountains. And that's one of my favorite times to hunt because, well, I'll tell you my two favorite times to hunt of the rut in the mountains is the very beginning of the rut and then right towards the end. Don't get me wrong, the peak of the rut's great, okay? But a lot of times what I figured out with the peak of the rut is those bucks are so laid up with those does that they sometimes they just won't travel very far. Mm. Now, of course, when it gets split up for that from that doe, you know, they're going to be going all over the place. But, I mean, it was just like um, a year or two ago, I killed a big one. It was the day before Christmas Eve, and it's, it's getting pretty late. And I, I knew they were really on the hunt for does, and there's still does coming into estrus there but it's, it's still kind of late for the mountains. But anyways, he was just out, that buck I killed was just out looking for one. And he had literally left, uh, his bedding area. And I was hunting pretty close to it where they, where they bed at. And I think he just came right down from that bedding area and he was around some trails. You know, they're like big travel routes, what I would call them. Uh, does use them and spikes use them, but he was actually on a trail that you could barely see. Well, you remember I was, I think I was telling you about it one day. I call them faint trails. It was on a really tiny trail. And that's what I killed him on. But he was definitely on the way looking for does. I mean, you could tell. So. So <clears throat> as far as like pre-rut, what do you, um, I, let, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. If, if you're ready, we can. Uh, yeah you know, kind of, kind of what you do during the pre-rut. We'll go into a little bit of rut. And obviously these are wide range of topics. And, you know, we were talking a little 
uh, earlier about this, but, um, you know, there's so much, so much involved, obviously, you know, we can't squeeze it all into an hour episode, but, um, we'll just get a little bit of your take on that just to kind of help the listeners out here. Um, you know, even though pre-rut and ruts kind of, you know, we're not on it, we're not really coming into it, but it will be here before you know it. So I'm hoping to be able to get this episode out to, to kind of help those, but, um, share with us kind of your take on the pre-rut. Well, for the mountains, for instance, the pre-rut in the part I hunt in, it's typically not even until, like, I would say the second week in November. The first week, things start kind of getting, you can see some pre-rut sign. But, man, I've had trail camera videos of, of big bucks still buddied up with other decent-sized bucks on Halloween night. I've got the, I've got the uh, videos somewhere on my computer i had a big one i was chasing one year up in the mountains i mean it it drove me wild i was even dreaming at night about the buck that i was going to shoot it <laughs> picking the um, place out on the wall huh? oh it, oh i already had a place picked out for him i remember one night i literally woke up and i was breathing hard because i thought like the last image that was in my mind was my crosshairs on his shoulder and i could see a rack big rack but anyways this deer i'm talking about um, he literally stayed with a, a big six point and this six point he stayed with, I mean, it was probably, I don't know, three and a half year old. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing maybe three and a half, two and a half, whatever it was. Uh, I'd have to look back on the videos. It's so long ago, but, uh, anyways, he stayed with that buck and they literally, they were buddied together. Like I had a, which this is really rare. This is one of the few times I've actually had this happen. I actually got a trail camera video of both these bucks together in july which is rare for the mountains i don't usually do that with mature deer uh but i got them both together on it and he was he was mature but the other one like i said it was three and a half but they stuck together and i think they split up about the first part of november probably the second week i would say but um i hunted gosh i hunted that big one so hard and of course you know i I bumped the six point one time and it was a really nice deer. And, uh, I had my wife with me one day and I, I, t- I took her up there and I thought we would, I thought we were going to kill that six point. We walked up on him and he was in his bed, I think. And we accidentally jumped him. Didn't mean to do that. And man, he took out of there. Oh my gosh. I don't think he ever quit running. And I hunted that, that big one to death. Never seen it. I mean, it worried me to death. And then right at the end of the season, well, actually, it was right after it closed. It was about, I don't know, it was probably about two weeks after the season closed. So this is getting into January. Um, I actually seen both of them in a food plot together. Uh, the six point and the big one I'm talking about. Um, it, it was insane. And I couldn't believe, I mean, they both made it through the season. Uh, and the funny part about it is, uh, the next season, I knew he was still in the area, never could get him on camera again. And my dad ended up killing the six point that season, that upcoming season. So it, and it was even bigger. It just, it, it was still six point, but it was really wide. Yeah. Dang, man. And, uh, I know. And, and, you know, a lot of people that, I mean, don't realize the rut and the mountain, this really, it varies because I know some parts of the mountains up there, they'll be, you know, they'll be rutting fairly good around like before thanksgiving but the part i hunt in you know i would say a couple days after thanksgiving's when it starts getting good 
And uh, the pre-rut, I have not had a whole lot of success with mountain deer in the pre-rut. I've had a few instances that I've seen some decent ones, but it's, you know, I don't put a whole lot of pressure on them in the pre-rut. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't go in there and I'm, I'm not constantly, you know, walking in and out of there. I mean, I, I kind of give them, I mean, I'll hunt them once or twice, but I'm not in there every day of the pre-rut. I typically wait till around Thanksgiving when I know it's about to, you know, bust wide open. And then I start going in there and that's, that's how I've killed some of my big bucks. Um, one of the biggest bucks I ever killed, uh, I love this spot to death. And I can't tell you how bad I want to go in there and bow hunt it because I know some mountain giants live in there. Um, but I, I have to just not go in there and I wait until about, about Thanksgiving, I start going in there and that's when I'll typically, you know, I'll kill one in there. But if you hunt it during archery season, it, it like, it's like it ruins it or even pre-rut, man. I've, I've hunted some of those spots in pre-rut and it just, I don't know, it just ends up not being very good for me. You know, later and, on, and that's the thing. Like, I, I try to tell people all the time. Like, obviously, I'm no deer killing expert. I've I've taken a lot of deer in my life, and I've been lucky enough to kill some mature bucks and and do a lot of hunting in other places and stuff. But yeah. that's just because you know, not having a kid, I you know was able to pretty much do whatever anytime I want. If I want to go every day after work, I could. But what's crazy is I try to tell people I'm like each situation. It, it, you can't do a bow season muzzleloader season rifle season and then you can expect the deer okay pre-rut rut like everything's not i know we kind of mention it like oh we're going to discuss pre-rut and rut but everything's not like specifically where you can just place it on the calendar and be like this is how it's going to work you know each area is different and a lot of people might not realize like being where you're at in those those deep mountains like going in there bow season unless you literally have them pegged down you know even so yours you had pegged down pretty well and he came out right at dark so you know it's it's almost like you, you're so ready to get out there during bow and, and and try to get you know the early bird catches the worm type thing but in reality it's like you kind of have to go off of like what your area is doing like the history behind your area it's not a one size fits all of this is the best time to be in the woods or this isn't the best time to be in the woods. I think you being in that area, you've kind of got to see like, Hey, if I come in here during bow season, even though there's mature bucks, I'm going to ruin it. Like you just said, like it almost feels like you ruin it. If I come in here three days before Thanksgiving ish, <laughs> then, you know, I have a better oh, chance yeah. of success. And I mean, you've taken a lot of mature bucks. So, I mean, obviously, you know, those, those results, I mean, they speak for themselves. Yeah. I learned when I was, when I was really young, when I was a kid, I would, I'd get really super excited on opening weekend. I'd be already trying to go in those places. And I learned really quick from busting them that it just, it doesn't pay off. And I mean, in some instances, like you said, if you have them pegged, um, yeah, you might get a shot off on them, <clears throat> but you got to remember, you know, like I was talking about earlier, okay. The pre-rut doesn't get really, you know, ramped up while I hunt until like, like I said, November. Uh, mid-november early november so those deer aren't really wanting to travel or do really much of anything but eat and sleep in september and october for me so you know they're not moving around a whole lot they're in their one little area and they know when you go like they're, they're just going to know when they smell that human scent in there they're going to know something's up instantly in some of those remote areas and i mean the only thing I would do is if I was hunting in the pre-rut or like right now, if I'm hunting a big buck in the mountains, like I'm going to hunt around food sources where they're going to, like where I'm talking like 
you know, you see the trails, you, you know, you kind of got them pinned down where they're feeding. Um, or I hunt really close to where, where I think they might be bedding. I don't try to hunt. Well, I take that back. I don't try to hunt too close to where they're bedding right now, but, um, it just really depends on the way the area is laid out and how comfortable I feel about, you know, getting close to where it's bedding at. It all really depends. So you kind of just like right now, just kind of, you know, go here and there and, and, and things like that, but really like almost like getting towards Thanksgiving, it sounds like you kind of go pretty hard. Oh yeah. <clears throat> toward Thanksgiving, I go extremely hard for sure. I mean, I'm already going hard now, about <laughs> as hard as I can because I'm hunting uh public ground in, in uh, central Georgia and then I'm hunting the mountains. And the good thing is in Georgia, really, if you know, you can get two ruts if and if you want to like i can hunt the rut in central georgia on public land and i can hunt the rut in the mountains in public land so you get two different ruts you can hunt but but i mean you know like i said like there's some instances where that yeah you could get closer like closer to a bedding area and hunt those those big mountain bucks but you got to be really careful about them because it don't take much to mess them up because i mean i've just I know I've just done it, you know, early season's tough. Do you feel like where you're at, do you feel like if you were to bump, let's say you bump a buck and he's in his bed, do you, you think he'll come back or how, what's kind of been the situation? With, I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, mountain buck, the ones I have bumped, I typically don't, I don't see them again. It's usually really? done. It's done deal. Yeah. And that's just from my experience. They're a totally different deer, man. Like I know, in Ohio, for instance, like when I go up there and hunt, um, it's different. Like you can jump deer up there and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from them at all. You can jump them in their beds occasionally and still a few days later, you might have the chance of still killing them in that spot. Yeah. I mean, um, where I'm I've heard from, stories about yeah. people doing it. I mean, where I'm from in, in Western Virginia, a lot of the, the, private land and then the public land that surrounds the private land but a lot of those areas you could you could jump up now mature buck it was it was kind of hit or miss but you could usually bump them out the bed and they'd kind of stick around um but i've noticed down in florida it's the same thing like when i when i bump something i'm not seeing it honestly man i've bumped turkeys and i don't i don't see them again in that spot so I yeah think it just they just move on and the great the thing about living down south is i think that we have a you know we pretty much have food sources all at all times uh, oh yeah yeah so. definitely i mean with I, I feel like in the big woods it's just a little bit different because you got to think i mean some of these mountain bucks i'm hunting they're big they're old they're in remote places they're not used to smelling human scent like it's not like people are you know it's not like they're bedding next to somebody's house you know what i mean right. it's, they're not picking up on scent a lot so they're going to figure out when something's new is in the area that's like just for example this buck I'm hunting now, I don't even leave my tree stand in there. Um, I take it out. Oh, I don't leave it don't, in there. No sign, just nothing in there. Yeah, nothing. And I want to hang a camera so bad, but <laughs> I don't want to hang it because I just don't want any more sin or anything that could give me away in there. Because you got to think, he's so used to coming to, the, to that area that he's going to eventually, he'll pick up on something. I mean, it's like if you come to my house and if you left something at my house i mean i'd pick up on it pretty quick right you know so i mean you gotta remember i mean he's living in that in that area 24 7 so they're going to pick up on stuff really fast well too i mean they they know i mean you that's the best analogy you can say is if somebody leaves something at your house you're gonna know it doesn't matter where it's at in your house you're gonna know 
Um, oh yeah. You know, that that's not, that's not yours. That's not supposed to be there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know what, playing it cautious sometimes, man, is, and, and that's, that's where you got to know your areas you're hunting in. Um, I hunt five WMAs that are down here and I need to really buckle down and just hunt after one, but dude, I'm a scatterbrain, you know, I, <laughs> that's who I am. Oh, yeah. so it kind of goes There's nothing wrong hunting. with bouncing back. Yeah. I bounce yeah, a nothing... lot. And if I feel like I ruined one spot, I'm like, Hey, learn from it. Don't do it again. You know, hopefully that buck lives move on oh, yeah. and and i'll go back to it at another time or you know time is always the you know the, the, the how, how much time i have determines a lot you know i could be at a wma in 15 minutes and then i can be at one in an hour and a half so it's like the hour and a half one's the best one <laughs> you know the guy yeah. that killed the state record here hunts there so it's, it's a good <laughs> one it's definitely there good you one. go yeah well, says by there's nothing wrong with bouncing back and forth between different deer i mean i do that occasionally um, but now in the rut, I feel like you have, um, you know, you have a little bit more leeway as far as leaving a tree stand or leaving a trail camera, anything wow. like that. I mean, you're, you know, in the rut, they're not paying attention to that as much. So it's just definitely a lot different that time of year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Baby's crying over here. <laughs> Microphone's <laughs> picking it up. Um, but so pre-rut, so, uh, let's see here. Um, as far as like pre-rut, what not to do, what would you say is something as far as like people may do, um, that you've noticed or that you see, or maybe some misinformation and you kind of would want to stay away from that? Definitely sounds like being cautious, not going in there like guns hot. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing I would say is a lot of people get excited and they hunt and hunt and hunt a spot till it's burnout. And even the does and young bucks will have them figured out at that point. So you got to be really cautious about the way you hunt it, you know. I mean, you know, in the pre-rut, you you could get away probably with hanging a camera, maybe. But, uh, I mean, some of the areas where I hunt, I don't know. I just, I wait, kind of hold out till I put a camera in about the first part of the rut when they're rutting, you know, when they're starting to run around. Shoot, I'll um, tell you what you need to do, man. You should try this sometime. Uh, John Nalls told me about this, and Matt's the one who taught him from Bow Creek Outdoors. He, uh... He puts his up in a tree and actually has some makeshift bracket he makes, super cheap, couple things that, you know, uh, Ace Hardware kind of thing, and uh, makes a bracket, puts it in the tree, um, and that's how he's able to, you know, keep keep it where his presence, I guess, is a little bit down now. That's, you know, that's pretty cool, and I was about to say, when, when you mentioned that, you know how, how earlier I was talking about getting the really big mountain buck on uh, camera, on, on trail camera in uh, July yeah, a couple years ago? Yeah, I remember when you seen it, yeah. Well, see, I had it on a, on a thing like that. I had to have like a ladder literally to climb, to get up, to put it up high enough and pointed it down. And I kid you not, I've got the video to prove it. It walks by, looks up that camera, jumps and runs. No, <laughs> I'm dead serious. Both of them freaked out. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I mean, what made them even look up? <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe they just they just oh, i don't know man i'm gonna it drove me crazy and i didn't get them on that camera again until like i was telling you halloween night and i was like oh thank god they didn't leave <laughs> i wonder that's crazy man. i mean it could have been anything though it could have been a bird that flew in a limb or a squirrel and then they looked and they noticed the camera and then they're like uh-oh you know, yeah, it was just so crazy because it was all calm and it was walking by and it looks up and its whole demeanor and just 
it just changed. You could just see it all over the deer. Do you think it, it heard? Like, did, did it make? Does your camera make sound or anything? Or? It, it might. It was an older camera, yeah. so who knows? It could have been a little light or something. There's no telling. Yeah, you know, it, see, it, it definitely didn't like it. I've I've seen some where like you're just like, all everything's cool, and it, I mean I've had it not not with um, not with deer, but I've had it. We had a big bobcat that was on one of our cameras and he walked by and then he looked right at the camera and I was like oh my gosh and I had it good man I had like a palmetto that I had cut and kind of folded it over the top and there was no it looked like just regular thick vegetational brush like you could barely even tell and it pinpointed it out and it looked right at it It was kind of kind of freaky because you're just like oh my gosh like that's like paranormal how do they even know this is here and I knew for a fact that camera didn't make sound um, at least, unless it's unless it's a sound that like people can't hear, I don't know. Right, I, I think it's just something, something they notice, and it's it's one of those things. Kind of like, uh, you know, I, I know I see some people where they'll like climb a tree or something, they'll be cutting a bunch of branches off, right? When those branches hit the ground, usually deer will freak out over those. That's just something that I've seen and noticed. Oh, um, no. I guess, and I think it's because you're sent on it. And of course, it's something that kind of catches their eye just laying down on the ground. So, well, too, there's like there's so many different smells. You have not just your scent, but obviously you're gonna be sweating, especially if it's multiple yeah. branches. You're going to more than likely not be in your hunting clothes. Most people are gonna be in like rubber boots and, and jeans or something. And then also, you um, you I think a lot of people are less cautious when they go in to start trimming branches and doing shooting lanes and things like that. And then also the smell that's a friction friction happening there there's a there's gonna be a you know a you know a burnt ish or some type of smell of the wood you know turning where it's been heated up in that spot where you cut it so uh you know i think it's so many different smells it's probably like an overload for them oh yeah for sure they they definitely don't like that kind of stuff and uh that's just something i've noticed i've i've seen you know i mean you even see it on tv a lot of people just cutting stuff down um you know just leaving it kind of laying around the tree and i just i haven't I don't really like that too much. I mean, just from what I've seen, like, I mean, even on private land, I've seen it and they spook at it and they just don't like it. Um, you yeah. see does will come up, smell it and just jump and start so blowing. The best thing is just to get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. And it's kind of like ground blinds. Like I tried that one year, a long time ago in the mountains. I, I thought, you know, I wonder if I could just set a ground blind up and kill one in it and see you can't really leave it on public land you can't leave a ground blind very long i mean it's i, I mean you literally it's pretty much one of those things you just take it in and hunt out of it and take it back out <laughs> yeah and I get it. I, it, yeah I, I tried that one time and i tried and man that was a pain in the rear end packing it in packing it out i just tried it one year because i just wanted to try it it was a long time ago and you I don't care what you do, how you brush them in, how you, where you put them, they still could figure it out. They knew something wasn't right. Well, too, if so. it's a spot that they're frequently traveling, I mean, and that's the thing about down here. Like, I see people put blinds up all the time, and they'll leave them out for a while. And obviously, that makes sense because, you know, we have, like, yeah. hay bales and tractors and all kinds of other stuff we leave in that doesn't bother the animals. But they know, they know everything about that object. They've seen it every day. And I feel like down, I know definitely down here, and you're pretty south too, like you're, you'll ruin a blind. And two, it's going to be an animal's home 
uh, oh, yeah. real fast, it's going to be an animal's home. So um, I I pack it in, I pack it out. I, I oh, I'm the same as you, man. I I want to believe in a ground blind so bad. Like I just want to be able to sit in my, sit in a little little uh my little fold chair and and just sit back and and stretch my feet out and not worry about scratching my face or. <laughs> or any of that stuff, eating eating my little dubby cake and and then I, oh I yeah, <laughs> but it just I tried doesn't it. Work. I know I tried it and it's it's been about it's probably been yeah it's been about ten years ago since I tried it's been a while since I tried it I just got frustrated with it pretty quick yeah. but now I will say this though man if you set it up and it, you know if it's on private land and it's legal and you can let it sit out there for right. months yeah that it'll work then you know they're used to seeing it. Right, they're used to seeing it, and it kind of brushes itself in at that point. The grass kind of grows around the edges. Like, it looks a little more natural. They see it every day. They don't get shot every day when they see it, so they instantly think it's it's fine. But I know down here where I'm at, it doesn't work because you, you, you could leave it. It probably would work, but I never I never want to leave it either for multiple I reasons. Know. But the main <laughs> reason would – I'm not even worried about someone stealing it as much. I, I haven't had a camera stolen or anything. I've had plenty of people walk by it. I don't know, maybe I'm just, it's just luck for right now, but just with a blind, I'm just like, man, I just, I'll be honest with you, man, I don't want to go in there at 3.30, 4 in the morning and be drinking my coffee and a rattlesnake be curled up at the bottom of it. <laughs> exactly. To be honest with you, it's been raining all night and I'm in a blind and all the critters want to live under my under my oh i know see i had a buddy that he was so pumped on getting his old ground blind set up and it was on his private land and i said i told him i said you know if you leave it you know it'll get they'll get used to it and he was so excited with that thing and i knew i was afraid it was going to happen that a bear was going to get in it man he was so frustrated and irritated he got down there it looked like a bear got in there and just had a party or something i mean it just destroyed it see, i mean you could thing, just see claw marks <laughs> i mean it was done he so i guess i'm just gonna have to throw it away i said yeah pretty much yeah that's not see and i just i don't you know i don't even leave my stands because um there, there was one spot i hunted in the swamp dude it was like a seven mile canoe paddle it really sucked it was it was awful um it, but there was there's a nice buck back in there and i really wanted to kill him um and i ended up killing him but i had to leave my stand there and i was like i'm gonna come back the next day and i do not like leaving my stands and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna come back the next day it'll be fine it, i was leaving at dark so i was like ain't nobody coming in here um, i'll be here in the morning well crazy thing is we actually had a like a tropical storm or something. It might have been a hurricane. I don't even remember. Um, but they closed that WMA. And when they closed the WMA, like, yeah, sure, you could probably go in it, but, you know, don't get caught kind of thing. But it's to the point where, like, the gate shut. So I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not. It's not worth yeah. me obviously losing my license everything like that if you do get caught. Um, but you couldn't get in there because they're so big. Um, and I don't know all the rules with that. I just go off of what the site says. site says it's closed. I don't go in it. And, um... I had to leave it, and I had to leave it there. I want to say it was there for, like, two weeks, and I was, dude, I was terrified. I was like, oh, my gosh, like someone's <laughs> going to get in there. They're going to be like, oh, ain't nobody hunting this. Those WMAs will connect to other WMAs. So I'm like, well, what if someone hunts that one and walks into it? And I'm all paranoid and stuff. I get there after two weeks, and I hunt that spot. It's like an oak flat, and I'm, I end up killing a, a like a six point little six pointer, and uh, he was probably like almost a three year old deer for down here, and super yeah. excited. And I was like, oh well, while I'm here, I'm gonna go ahead and pull this stand out. 
Um, so I went and, and went to get the stand and it was top of mind that morning, but I, I was kind of like late getting in. I was like, I don't have time to go to the stand and it had been in there two weeks and the water levels have been up. So I'm like, I don't even know if like, you know, the straps have been chewed on or anything. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to go over here, this other end of this Oak flat. So I hunted it, killed that buck, um, which worked out. And then I went to get the stand. I get the stand and a freaking squirrel and chewed the straps and the stand was half cocked. So I was like, I'm so oh glad. God. And it was only 10 minutes from where I killed the buck, like a 10 minute walk. But the thing about it was, and that buck probably would have walked to the stand. It was probably on its path. But what's crazy is if I would have <laughs> went there that morning, and the one time I leave my stand and I don't know what happened, man. I don't know why that squirrel wanted it. It was an XOP stand. So it had like blue straps. I don't know what the deal was. Or I'm sorry, not an XOP. It was a, um, oh gosh, what were they called? They were cheap at one point. It was like a, uh, Hulk. That's what it was. And it had these blue okay. straps on it. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the color or what, man, but he straight chewed half of it enough that this, the stand was like tilted forward. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't get here in the morning, climb up in there, notice it, and then be all mad to have to take it down <laughs> and then possibly ruin, you know, cause that buck came through it like. Gosh, probably like it was probably like around like eight o'clock or so. He came through fast, so really? and it and he stopped. Yeah, he was on the move. Um, I don't know what he was doing, but he was trotting and I, I grunted at him and and I just grunted with my mouth and he stopped and I was able to put an arrow at him. But he, uh, dude, it was crazy, man. I was like, I'm so glad I didn't get up here because I would have probably ruined my whole hunt and I would have been all mad and I would have never killed that deer. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. That's that's crazy, man. Um, but yeah, I don't leave stuff in there just because the, the elements down here, I don't know how it is up north, but the elements down here are, are crazy and me being 20 foot up in a tree, 15 foot in a tree, I need to make sure my straps are good. And even when they get rained on and stuff, I, I feel like, man, it's like, like I keep all my stuff in the garage, uh, you know, clean and, and everything. I just get real paranoid with leaving something out. Oh yeah. I'm the same way. But two, I mean, you know, going back on topic, I know we went down a rabbit hole there, but you know, a lot of these mature animals, man, they, they know that they, they know. So if you are going to do something like that, you should get in there earlier, but definitely be safe and and check it and make sure ain't a bear sleeping in there and snake (laughs) and bee bee nest, bee nest scare me more than anything. Oh, I know. Dude, a beehive will be up in a week, you know? I know that that's something I don't even want to think about <laughs> getting in there with that. <laughs> Could you imagine getting up in your tree? Like we used to have uh, growing up on our family's land. I don't know what it was, man, but my grandpa wanted to get like 50 foot up in a tree. I don't, I don't know why he liked doing that, but he loved to put our stands and they were cut out pieces of wood on like a metal platform and he would take like ratchet straps and put them up there. Um, but he would put them so high. So growing up, he'd be like, Oh, climb up in that stand. And once you got in the stand, he would go to his spot. And I tell you what, man, I, for one, I'd be scared because I'm all the way up in the tree like that, <laughs> of like in the canopy. Uh, but for two, I was always scared I'd walk up and see a bee nest, like get your, because it was wood right there. So I'm like, man, I'm going to oh, get up yes. in here. And they leave them up year round. They they check the straps, but that yeah. was, like they leave them up, you know, and they make sure the wood's not rotted. Um, <laughs> they, they would leave them up, man. And I tell you what, I was, I was like, man, I hope I don't get up here. You, you've seen those big bee nests. They'll be up, you know. That, oh, yeah. That, I'd kill you, man. I'd kill you if yeah, you got up in there. They're they're no joke. I mean, they love to do them in box stands, especially. I mean, I've, I've I used to hunt a long time ago. I'd been on a hunting club and I'd I'd gotten on uh, what was it? It was like a little box blind. And oh man, it was it was bad news in there. I'm glad I paid attention. 
Yeah, it man, was that, bad. That scared me, man, for sure. I, I don't mess around with bees. Um, or snakes. A snake be up in there, too. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, but it's it's crazy. It's, it's you know, with with stands and stuff like that, you know, like I, like I mentioned earlier in the rut, I don't think it, it really affects it too, too much. But this time of year, like, you know, I don't know. I just don't like leaving my stands in areas, especially if I think maybe the deer might be bedding close by. And like this spot I was telling you earlier with the muscadines, uh, you know, they're hitting it a lot. I mean, they're in there using it quite a bit. So I just don't want to leave my stand in there right now and yeah. you know potentially mess anything up. But in the rut, like I said, I think you have a little bit more leeway. But, um, I don't start yeah. risking stuff, man, until the end of the season. Like, end of the season, that's, that's when I start really. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in his bedding area at 3 30 in the morning. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's that's why I push the envelope. That's like, uh, in, in the post rut, uh, or even in the really in the later part of the rut in the mountains when they're still going pretty good. Um, if it's been tough, sometimes I'll go in the around the bedding areas, and I've you know, sometimes I'll have success doing that. Um, but in the peak of the rut though, you know, I tend, I typically hunt does. Like I, I, I go where the does are. Um, now there's a few spots that, you know, terrain can kind of play into it. Like one spot, for example, I seen a really good buck on last year. Um, really nice buck. And I'm, I cannot wait to hunt him again this year. Uh, I couldn't. I tried to shoot him last year, and I, I think I might have mentioned this on, on one of the other podcasts. My gun, I don't know what was wrong with it. It wouldn't go off. It was the weirdest thing ever. I don't know if it jammed or what was wrong with it, but I took it back to the house. It shot fine the first shot, and I was like, well, it just weren't God's plan for me to shoot that deer. <laughs> but yeah, this year, he's going to be a lot bigger. Uh, he, was, he was probably about three and a half, four and a half year old last year. But anyways, this spot that I seen him in, um, specifically, I, I kind of, singled this spot out because it was a big finger ridge um that that came off of like this a big top you know really big ridge and so this finger ridge goes down and it ends up in like a bunch of ivies and and you know like big thicket basically and this deer had a really you know good rubs in the area had scrapes and i even had found worse where they had some trails on the side of that finger ridge and i'd sat there one morning and seen some does and i said man that's that's this is a perfect spot to be in you know there's does here and then i got him using his finger ridge the does were actually down with me around the funnel because you know where i'm at i was facing the finger ridge um but anyways he came down that finger ridge and was just checking a scrape when i seen him um but I like to really, I don't know what it is, but finger ridges are pretty good in the rut. And of course, funnels. Um, I love funnels. I love hunting funnels in the rut. Um, but if I haven't had any success in my funnels or, or anything, there's, there's some flats that I like to hunt. And basically, like the one flat that I killed, uh, two, two big ones in one season, I killed them both in the same flat. And there's literally bedding above the flat and there's bedding to the right of the flat. And what I found out, um, what they were doing is there's some of them, they don't do it every day. It's something that they would do every other day from what I could tell by looking at their beds. 
they would bed on top of that ridge, not on top of it, but kind of close to the top and off to the side of it. And there was like a flat spot or two. Um, they would kind of get on that and they would, they would bed next to a big tree. There was even, um, on the side of that ridge, I'm explaining to you, there's a, like a cliff on the side of it. It's a big rock cliff kind of, and I found a buck bed right there, um, right on the edge of it. And literally he, he, the way he was facing, there's no way I could have gotten anywhere near him without him seeing me because he was, it's just where he was looking. I mean, he's, he's waiting, he's looking for danger. So they like to bed on that top and then there's an ivy thicket to the right they like to bed in and what i killed the year i killed both those mature deer the first mature deer i killed that season was going to the ivies to bed um he was getting out of danger and the one i killed that i was telling you about in the later season the day before uh christmas eve he was coming from the ivies which he was looking for a doe i mean i could just tell us what he was doing and uh you know, I've, in that spot, it's just, I can set up on them just right. Um, now I can't get, there's a certain, it's weird because the way they bed, um, the way that ridge comes around, um, the one bed I was telling you about, there, it's kind of on the side of a cliff. He's not facing directly in the flat that I'm sitting in. So the good thing is I can come kind of around that ridge from a different angle. There's no way I could come up straight because he would he would bust me instantly. Um, but I come around that ridge and sit in that flat, and that's where I would I think where I was getting them coming through the flat. So and usually, all the success I have had there has been literally from 8:30 in the morning till about 9:45, and after 9:45 every morning it's done i don't see any deer after 9:45. any young ones nothing now back in the late season i waited till about 10 15 and this was literally i think there was just like a day or two left of the season i said i'm going to get up and go to his bed so i just started climbing up the ridge real slowly and sure enough he jumped up oh man and Crazy. yeah he he jumped up and i think i just confused him because what i did was I literally walked up that ridge just going just with my mouth just grunting and it confused him so what he did was he went around the ridge one way and I went on the complete other side of it so I kept doing that grunt and walking and he ended up coming over and looking at me um I had my bow and arrow and of course it was in some thick stuff but uh, he came over and looked for me and uh, I had a good encounter with him. And then um, it was on the last day, I think it was, of the, of the season. Um, I grunted a, the big one I was after. It was a really big mountain buck. I grunted him in. He came from, from that bed he was, he was sitting on, on the, on the edge of that uh, ridge. I believe he came off his bed and come down there looking for me had my bow and he would not come within bow range. It, it just, I wanted to kill him with a bow so bad. He just, he wouldn't do it. She wouldn't come close enough. Oh man. Well, you know, it, it's one of those things, man, where they just, uh, we, we talked about this before that some of the places they bed, it's just like the most unusual, like you'd never expect it. And, and, and it's so hard to get to quietly. And if you do get in there, the wind's always a nightmare. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just like the perfect storm. In a, in a deer's bedding area sometimes yeah it's definitely important to like you know pay a, a lot of good attention to terrain features it's hard i'm trying to explain it on here now but it's really hard for me to 
explain it without being able to just kind of you know show it maybe on a map or show yeah, what it yeah. would look like you know what i mean but yeah, it's we'll, uh we'll do a webinar uh we were talking about this earlier we'll definitely put a webinar together and, and get something where we can have some visual um do something on terrain features and and things like that for the pre-rut rut or you know just after mature whitetails um but that that would definitely be something that you know we'd have to do a visual aspect but as far as as far as what you're hunting, I mean, it sounds like you said funnels and fingers are kind of what you're trying to stick with during the rut. Yeah. Yeah. Finger ridges I found out in the mountains are, are really something that you'll find a lot of scrapes on. And, um, last season, actually, um, there's a finger ridge not too far from where that flat is. I was explaining earlier where I killed the two big ones. Um, and I actually found where on that finger ridge, uh, it looked like a decent sized buck he got with a doe i could just tell us what it was there was a big bed and there was a smaller bed <laughs> they were they were like 10 15 yards from each other and, and it was in the peak of the rut like i mean it was it was it was crazy They're like just it's just that time of year fighting each other <laughs> i know <laughs> they wake up and they just go their separate ways <laughs> we're just gonna I sleep see... butt to butt <laughs> <laughs> i've seen the beds and i knew instantly what that was and i've actually found beds like that before and i have smelled the the buck here and like i've smelled it like i could smell them they've been there so recently oh yeah man those so, mountain bucks man they that's a smell you never forget when they when they're rutting real hard i mean that that mm -hmm. pee smell is just insane i mean it'll get you know you almost can smell it in the meat yeah my, my dad and i one time we unexpectedly we done this i mean really unexpectedly we was after a specific buck and i mean i was i was i i get obsessed over deer really easily and this one i was so i wanted it so bad and i'm not going to lie like i'm going to be completely honest on here i almost thought about just like quit working for a month just to see if i could kill it and then go back to work i was that bad off about killing it oh, but but i said <laughs> I, I mean i was like that, that bad i'm telling you it was one of those deer that oh man i just it drove me nuts but we actually ended up we had a we had a good area we were hunting it in and um, this is kind of something uh people might can kind of understand where you know i'll try to explain it the way the land lays out right here it's a really good place for mature deer but there's a creek that would kind of flow through the middle of this this spot and i say a creek is very small it's not a river or anything like that um and there was two ridges um on on up both sides of the creek and this buck it was kind of like he was bouncing i think in my opinion i think he was bouncing back and forth checking for does and my dad and i one morning um i you know there's something that happened and we got in there a little bit late and we were going to our spots and believe it or not we've jumped him and he was bedded with the does and I've never, I mean, like when he, when we got in, he was in a, like a funnel, a small funnel when we jumped him and we hadn't even hunted that funnel he was in. So, I mean, really, but, um, we jumped him in it and we could smell him instantly. Like, I mean, it was so strong and he took off running and I didn't have any kind of shot on him at all. And my dad did and he shot and just shot right over his back. Oh, we were both so sick. I thought, <laughs> I thought when he shot, I said, Oh my gosh, it's dead. And we got up there and it was gone. And like, you know, the crazy thing about it is we trailed where that deer had run and we followed him for a ways. And 
every now and then when we were following him through the thickest, I could just get a get a smell of it. Like occasionally you oh, smell it a little bit. Man, and you know what you worse. know what he went for? He went for some of the thickest cover and his antlers were so big, honest to God, don't know how he got them through them, but he did. They do. And they They'll get those big antlers through that stuff for sure. Oh, it's it's amazing. This deer, I, I'll have to I'll have to show you a picture of it. It drove me crazy. I hunted it for so long, but never found it sheds. I don't know. I think it just, I don't know. I think it just kind of moved on after that because they're so skittish, man. I, I even hunted that deer after that happened, and we never seen it again, never had it on camera again nothing well you know it. too being in the mountains like that i mean that that mountain range is a is a huge mountain range i mean what's crazy is that me growing up in virginia i grew up in the same mountains you did and you're in georgia you know it's it's the it's the the appalachian mountains are just so vast that i'm a big believer in and i've always told people this i always talked about this with panthers but uh, we won't get into that crazy story, but uh, I uh, I'm a firm believer that there are certain animals that once they realize that they can take the Blue Ridge Parkway or I don't know what, what they call it down where you're at, but there they can take that that mountain range from from Georgia to Maine. Uh, you know, I I think that a lot of animals will will kind of migrate. I, I've always thought that they would migrate, especially the ones that get used to it. And they kind of oh yeah. You know, I know how long does a deer usually live? I mean, but it doesn't, it, it still has enough time that it could easily, I mean, you, a, a person can hike the whole trail. I think it takes six months for a person yeah. to hike it. So I've, I've always thought that, I mean, you can go, I don't know if you've ever been on the Appalachian Trail, but you can go oh, without yeah. being like in civilization. Like you can, you can literally backpack that whole area. Oh, it's awesome. The Appalachian Trail goes around uh, the county that I hunt in and I've hunted around the Appalachian trail before. And it's a, it's a cool experience. It's uh, a, you know, around where the trail goes, there's in our County, there's not a whole lot of deer in that area. I mean, it's very, very few and far between. There's lots of bears on it though. Goodness really? gracious. See, I'm surprised oh, yeah. ours is eight up with deer, but you know, what's crazy is you can't hunt that spot. It's Blue Ridge Parkway. Wow. See where, where our Appalachian trail goes through, you can, you can hunt it, but it's just, it's, there's a lot of bears there and the deer, they're so few and far between. I mean, like literally, it's it's like awesome to cut. If you just see some deer tracks, I'd be like, "Holy cow, we just we stumbled across a deer in here." You know, I mean. But it's just so I've, much big woods, I guess that they can. Oh, kind of... oh, it's just wilderness in there, and um, you know, I've hunted around those areas my whole life around the trail and stuff, and you know, sometimes you're lucky to see a rub. I mean, I mean, it can be tough and you got to do a lot of walking. You can get on sign. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's really tough hunting the trail. And there's also a lot of people that, you know, they hunt the trail too. So, well, I mean, it, the, it gets a lot of pressure. Trail, yeah. That, that main trail, I could definitely understand the pressure. Um, but I, I do think that, I mean, the animals could get quite close to it. Yeah. I always thought, you know, for instance, like you think the Appalachian Trail, you'd think, oh, well, they'd get used to humans. They smell them all the time. No, they know they know when you go off that trail, they know oh, something's they, wrong. Well, yeah, I've seen that before. Uh, I went on a backpack trip in PA with a couple of service side guys a couple of years ago, and mm -hmm. you could see hikers. And I was way, we were way back in this spot, and I seen hikers. I was like, there's no way those are hikers. And it was, and it was crazy because it was abnormally hot. And, uh, you know, those deer, I was actually watching a couple doe, and uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, these deer are going to take off. And those deer just sat there watching, and I was watching the deer and the, 
the hikers, and I mean, they were far. They were like 300 yards down the down the ridge, but I could just barely make out their blue vest or whatever that they had on. And I was sitting here, and the deer just watched and listened and didn't, you know, didn't wait until they couldn't hear them anymore, and they just kept on their merry way. But I guarantee if one of those people stepped off the trail to pee or anything, they would have bolted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they know. They just they know when something's off on that trail. And, you know, it's so high up in elevation, a lot of it is where we're at, like, some of the trails up kind of high and um it seems like um for some reason unless there's a lot of acorns up high there's just not a lot of game in general up high i mean yeah you'll see some bears and stuff and maybe you'll find some deer sign but it's just not much uh, yeah. it never has been ever since i've been a kid um it's, it's different and of course you know you never know who you're going to meet on the on the at that's for sure <laughs> yeah it's it's a different world it, it doesn't sound as much fun as where i'm from you can you know one one of the counties it's amherst you can you can hunt it um and it's a really good hunting real big mountain box every you know last year i had a buddy that killed a freaking i mean just a freak deer and then the, the year before another buddy had killed one and they go out you know during the rut rival season they go out they go up the trail in this one spot and then there's a the next county over where it goes through it's like where you said it's very scarce i think maybe it's because it's higher elevation you know food yeah. sources are are you know far and few between it's just too steep it's just not a lot going on and then the, obviously the people traffic is a little heavier there but that one spot there's a river near it and it does not get hit as hard um, I don't know if people maybe pass through that spot more quickly or, or what the deal is but it's right see where i'm at i'm in a town where the town's at the bottom of the mountain. So where I grew up at, people would get off the trail, come down the mountain, you know, stay in a hotel or eat or, you know, whatever they need to do, yeah. resupply, check their mail. And then they would go back up the trail. But what the crazy thing is, there's two parallel roads. Uh, there's Route 60 and like 130. And they're parallel from each other. And there's probably, I don't know, maybe like... 30 miles in between them and i feel like that 30 miles is where the people don't really hike as much and that's where they get off the one road and they get back up on the other road um but where i'm at i think that 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 always played a big part in it so the people that i see take those big bucks they're always hunting that area and they they do pretty well but i mean as many people as hunt that area i mean i can count on one hand how many kill it so it's definitely far and few between they're not just running all over the deer density isn't high or anything oh yeah and that's you know i was i was you know just raised and and hunting up high like i mean I, I that's something i love to do is hunt up high in elevation it is such a challenge it's so hard and it can be physically and mentally draining like like i told you that one spot i go to the, the 10 mile walk i call it and that's that's literally what it is is 10 miles it's the deer in those areas are so i don't know they're just so spooky and it's just such a challenge to get one a mature one to come out and just get a shot on it and it just let alone actually just to see one just to see a good mature buck i mean it could be tough to see young bucks in those areas and i think that's why a lot of people get discouraged uh when they're hunting in the big woods is you got to think there's so many places deer can go that's like in the rut you know of course in the peak of the rut they're covering more ground some of them get bedded up with those like i was saying earlier but if you're not just in the right spot in the big woods, like they can go just right on past you and you wouldn't even know it. I've had it happen. Uh, there was several years ago, I had a spot I was hunting up really high and I was hunting pretty close to where a big one had been, well, I think it was bedding. 
and um, it was actually close, not far from it was a really old logging road. And this spot was not getting any pressure. I mean, I was just, I think I was the only one hunting it, to tell you the truth. I mean, it was way on back. I mean, it's remote. And it was, gosh, it was cold when I was in there. So there was a big thicket above me. And, of course, in that thicket, there was plenty of places for a big one to bed. Um, one morning, I'll never forget it. Um, it was the year I think I was hunting that really big one I was telling you about earlier. Um, I heard one come through that thicket. And I could tell it had a doe with it. I could hear it pushing it. Like, you know, you've heard them just pushing on them and running them before. Yeah. I could hear it, and the deer sounded so heavy. But, you know, it was like he was smart enough. He knew they would not come out in the open where I could see them. I could just barely, I could hear them in the thick stuff, but I could just not even barely get a glimpse of them. I mean, there was just no shot, no nothing. And he just stayed in that stuff. I mean, he knew. I know he he just knew not to get in those open, open places. That's why in the rut, you know, even then you won't, you know, sometimes they might make a mistake with a, with a hot doe and run out in the open, but typically they don't. That's, that's why I like in the rut, I hunt pretty close to cover and pretty close to where they're bedding. I mean, you just got to, I mean, there's a lot of open areas in the mountains and I see where a lot of people mess up and I've seen them do it. I've seen people hunt these spots. I've found where people, you know, kick out a spot next to a tree and sit they'll sit in a spot man where you can see for gosh probably 100 yards almost just hardwoods and i know it looks good and it looks awesome and it looks like you know maybe one might just come through but they won't they typically won't i mean it'd be rare it'd be very rare if they did well even if they do it's going to be the very edge and you're gonna have to make a three four yard shot or something with a rifle like it's not yeah it's the same way down here i'll see spots and i'm like man i wish there would be a deer here i would love to sit in this spot so that i can just see but i already know that i need to get in a spot where i see like 10 feet in front of me and that's where that's where the deer are always at they oh i know i know and that's that's why i was talking with that other mountain buck that come through the the uh the mountain laurels i was telling you about there was a big open spot um probably less i don't know probably about 90 yards from me and i was like man that looks so good i could just sit there and if he just came through i'd kill him <laughs> but that deer would not come through that stuff i, I didn't even hardly find a track in that open area oh, literally man. they they it's you know what and i mean i don't know who said it but i hear it all the time you uh have to hunt where the deer are not where you think they're gonna be oh yeah you for know? sure i mean you, you gotta really study where they're going and this this is the way I feel about it, you have to be a student of the whitetail to really understand them. I mean, that's just the way you got to be. You got to really observe them and learn them. That's what I try my best to do. Yeah, and just try to sure. stay on top of them as much as I can. So, Adam, we're coming on about an hour here. Uh, we can wrap it up, but let me ask you this. As far as if you could kind of wrap it in a pretty bow here for us, what would you say are some of the, the main things when when the rut? I know you said you don't focus too much on the pre-rut, so we can just talk about the rut. I'll be putting this episode out. Uh, let's see here. I'll probably be putting this out either probably next week so I can give people time to listen to it before we get close to the rut. Um, but what are some things that you'd love to share as far as like kind of the secrets to success of, of you know, almost like your 10 com- commandments of the rut that you do? <clears throat> well, in the rut, in the big woods, you know, first off, and it can be frustrating. I have literally went in the peak of the rut. I have counted it down. I have went three weeks without seeing a deer, and then the next day I'll kill a big one. 
Um, so you got to be persistent, but with that, you cannot overhunt a spot. You have to have several deer you can hunt. I mean, you, you've got to go bouncing back and forth. You just can't hunt one spot. Um, you know, it, if you hunt one spot, they're going to catch on to you pretty quick. That's the way I feel about uh, big woods deer in the mountains. But, um, and I always try to hunt the does. That's something that's really important to me. Uh, if I can hunt where the does are, that's probably where I'm going to kill a big deer. Um, and of course, food sources. If you find where the food source is, that's where the does are going to be. And odds are there's going to be a little bit of buck sign around it. And another thing is a lot of people get pretty wound up when they find a lot of big buck sign. And I've done it before, but some of the areas where I've killed some of my biggest bucks at, there will only be literally one or two rubs, but the does will be using it. So it, it really pays off sometimes to just hunt where the does are. And you'll end up getting a crack at him if you do that. Yeah, if, if anything, you'll get to see some action. Get a little at teaser. Least, yeah. Get to see one. You know the young bucks will you. be chasing them. Yeah, I get to see them run by you while the, while the old bucks sit on the edge. Like, okay, if he doesn't get shot, I'll make my <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes hey, those I always... young buck, the, Those young bucks could be fun to watch. It was, uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday I had a really, really exciting evening. Um, <clears throat> I'd done a few grunts just, just by mouth and uh, – I, I literally just went five times just short grunts, just like that. And I had uh, two spikes come running in. Just like immediately when the grunts left my mouth, they come running in. They got within 20 yards and stopped, and they were just looking around like, where's, where's Dude, they, the buck? Them young bucks do that, man. I was in Ohio last year, and me and Tucker seen some some uh, small bucks and like little forkies and some spikes, and one was like a unicorn buck, and we were sitting there, and he's like, watch this, and he just started hitting the rattles. They come running, running in, man, just <laughs> balls to the wall, come running in, and we're, we're actually in the middle of this huge bean field, and there's a big, huge, it's like an oak tree. It is an oak tree, but it just reminds me of a willow tree because it's so like, just the, it's one of those ancient oaks, and it's sitting we're sitting up in there he's got this he's got a double tree stand up in there um you know there's no way it's so thick and green that there's no way these bucks know and they're under us and they're just looking around and we're we're the only structure in the in the middle of this bean field so it's so <laughs> funny to see them like run towards us un under the tree where we would actually be like you would think that they would be like wait a minute there's one tree here. Let me not get near it because that's probably where a person is. They didn't even care. Man. We, were all, we were looking down and it was really funny. I wasn't going to do this, but I was like, man, I could like, you know, just like a little bit of spit, like just drop it down on the ground and see if it like notices it. But we didn't. It was getting dark and stuff and we were joking around. He's like, go ahead and shoot you one, man. It's the last day. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, man. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I ain't going to kill you little bucks. But it was really funny because just seeing them come in with no – just no filter man they were just balls to the wall running in and i was like oh my gosh oh, yeah they, we'd, they'd run you down if you were on the ground <laughs> you know that's something i didn't i'm glad you mentioned we, we started talking about that something I really didn't talk a whole lot about is calling um a lot of the calling i do in the mountains um really i don't really do a whole lot of rattling i mean it, it can be effective but i think those deer in the mountains are so timid and usually what i have them come into is either a grunt or a bleat but i don't really do it a whole lot you know like i'm not constantly just grunting my head off or, or flipping a bleat can all the time you know i'll just do it every now and then now there are some instances where you can get a little more aggressive 
but I typically, I just don't get very aggressive. That's like, even when I go to Ohio, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I get aggressive, but not, not really. I don't get crazy because you got to remember, I mean, I hunt mostly like 99% of what I hunt is public land. So they hear calling a lot you know i always want to rattle man i love to rattle a buck in uh but oh, it's fine. i look at it it's like fine. this man like every time i'm i spend a lot of time like you i spend a lot of time trying to really digest and see what's going on and really know the area that i hunt and the game that i hunt and one thing i've noticed is the only time i've ever heard bucks fighting is at night like yeah. when i'm either coming in and it's dark or i'm leaving and i've i've heard them fighting many a times uh, last year, I actually got to watch one through some ther- a thermal scope. It was probably the coolest thing I've ever seen through a thermal scope. Um, was two mature bucks fighting in the middle of a field. Uh, but that was pretty That's cool. Awesome. I was actually seeing that in Georgia. Actually, I was at Andy's house um, and That's seeing awesome. that. But only time I ever see bucks fight is at night. So I'm sitting here like, well, I don't want to call during the day. I don't want to hit the rattle during the day. And I, I probably could, but I'm like, I get, I'm kind of like you with certain things with hunting, like. I don't, uh, I don't risk it for the biscuit until December, January. Like I just. If I'm going to oh, be yeah. like, oh, I'm going to hit the rattle, it's going to be the end of December, January, just out of curiosity to see like, oh, and I, I have rattled deer in young deer though, when I was, you know, not, yeah. you know, spikes, forkies, things like that. But as far as like a mature buck or a, or a decent buck that I would shoot like a shooter buck, um, I haven't personally done it during the day and I've always been scared to, it's one of those things where I do it like, right when I'm like, all right, the hunt's done, I'm going to head out. Uh, I'm going to hit yeah. this real quick and see what happens. And then I call a small buck. In. You know, you see a lot of people in the Midwest and stuff get real aggressive. We'll call and I, I think in some instances it does work, but you got to remember when you're on public ground a lot, you just, you know, deer are typically more timid anyways. Cause you know, man, I want to do one of those things where like, I, I don't know if you've seen it. It was like a TikTok or something where the guy was like rolling around on the ground and jumping from like, <laughs> like taking saplings and just like shaking him. He's like, yeah, I'm going to call that big one. In. I'm like, could you imagine the type of deer that would come into that? I mean, just, like if that ever happened and you know, what's crazy, man, is someone probably has done that and they've called a deer in and then they obviously they share their secret sauce and then everyone starts doing that and i'm like man it could have just been that deer you know like like we mentioned yeah. i've seen deer pretty much like look at a camera and never see them again and then i've seen other deer that are like licking it you know and they're yeah. like, what's this and you're like whoa what is going on here and you see the deer like sniffing the the camera they- itself they all have their own different little personalities. You know, every, every mature bug they do, they're just, they're all different, you know? Well, but if you don't get out there and you don't, you know, you don't get boots on the ground, it doesn't matter how much knowledge or podcast or webinars or, or e-scouting no. or any of that stuff you do. If you don't get out there, strategically get out there, then, yes. you know, you're not going to be able to, to close the deal. That's, that's why I said I scout year round, literally just, I just keep looking uh, keep trying to learn areas. I mean, you got to remember the deer, the mature bucks you're hunting are the ones that know the areas the best. So you need to try and learn that area as much as you possibly can and learn where he's bedding, where he's escaping, where he's going. I mean, you just got to figure it out. And I mean, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of time, honestly. For sure. Well, we'll definitely try to set us something, man, with this webinar uh, on terrain, sure. kind of terrain yeah. to look for. Um, but did you have anything else for this one? Oh, man, I think that's about it. I think we did pretty good, and obviously this is a huge topic. So, um, you know, to the listeners out there, if you guys are ever listening and 
you have questions or you want me to reach out to Adam, all the people that are on the podcast, I talk to almost daily, if not weekly. So I'm more than happy to get them back on or get your questions answered. We can even do small Q&A segments. There's really no limit. Um, So for the listeners out there, if you guys have any questions specific for Adam, you can always hit him up uh, or you can also hit us up. Um, at info at serviceside.com um, or justin at serviceside.com. And Adam, I know we always end with this, but I always like to do it anyways, um, even though I'm going to put it in the show notes. Where can the listeners reach you um, in, as far as your socials and stuff? Well, on YouTube, I have a, a YouTube channel. It's Hunting and Fishing in God's Country. Um, I have that. I have Instagram. Um, it's, it's Hunting and Fishing in God's Country on Instagram. Um, I also have my God service page. It's Adams Appalachian adventures on Facebook. Um, and you know, I have my personal account as well. So any of those, you could reach out to me. And if you have any questions, I know I'm, I'm doing a series right now on, on how to hunt mountain bucks. And I'm just going into all the different, you know, things with, with hunting them and, and where you can find them. And hopefully I'm going to do one here soon on, you know, just the rut, just do a whole big video on, on, uh, how to kill a mature mountain buck during the rut so awesome well let me know we'll help we'll help put that out and stuff on the socials for you uh just hit me up and um yeah man i hope you get that buck tomorrow i hope you get out this weekend and uh definitely keep me in the loop of what's going on and we will definitely be getting you back on soon because with hunting season being here we want to make sure that we continue to give everyone the education um tips perspective techniques whatever we need to to possibly help you be successful out in the woods That sounds great, man. All right. Well, you guys are listening to White Tail Theories podcast, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.